Hello and welcome to the Guernsey Press Sport Podcast, your weekly roundup of the best action and biggest talking points in Bailiwick Sport. Uh, Coming up, we'll reflect on a triumphant return home for Guernsey Raiders. We'll also talk marathons with several islanders in action over the distance in London. And one of our leading men, Will Bodkin, getting ready to race it for the first time later this month hear from him in a bit and we'll preview another big weekend as Guernsey FC all being well look forward to their Footslane homecoming uh, I'm Tony Kerr and with me today is Rob Batties hi and Gareth DePrevo hi Tony great to see you guys uh, usually we start with our moments of the week I think probably all of our moment of the week will have been last Saturday I think down at Footslane watching the Raiders get back in action and and uh, a return to those kind of big Saturday occasions down at Footslane yeah, indeed. Um, I know Gareth is going to talk probably at length in a minute about the performance, being our rugby man. I just wanted to say, though, that um, is there, or oh, ask the question, is there a f- any finer sight in local sport than Anthony Armstrong in full flight? Because I've been thinking about it and I doubt it very much. Um, I think they're seeing um, the big man have ball in, ha- ball in hand and tearing away 50 yards or 50 metres to score a try. I think it's absolutely thrilling to watch and it was great to see um, him back on the score sheet last week, even though it wasn't more from 22 metres or 22 yards. Um, nevertheless, he is, he is quite a s- special sportsman. And um, If you haven't had a chance to see him yet, folks, get down to Rutsch Lane and see Anthony Armstrong in full flight. Yeah, he got the breakthrough try uh, really on Saturday in that second half. And yeah, it was, uh, it was sort of the moment everyone had been waiting for, really. The, the kind of roar from the, uh, the stand, the grandstand, uh, was pretty deafening at that moment, even though, you know, everyone was kind of parked at the back because of the heavy rain. It was, um, I, I must admit, it was one of my, my best quotes of the, the year so far when Jordan said to me afterwards, yeah, it was a, it was a set-piece move we'd tried 15 times at training on Thursday night and it hadn't come off once and it came off absolutely perfectly on the first home game of the season. But yeah, I must admit, um, being just... Being back at Footslane for a competitive league game was quite a big thing. I actually struggled to sleep on Friday night. I was quite excited by getting back. Um, and typically, Raiders were pretty average first half. With the wind, uh, with the rain at their backs, um, they just couldn't get going at all. They, um, they made a bit of a pig's ear of actually trying to use the conditions to their favour. Um, fortunately, being quite experienced in, their, in the type of rugby they play, I, I was actually quite confident going into the second half because I know how well they play into the wind and... And they showed it third quarter, they were excellent. I mean, they just ran the game. They got the points they needed. It was never going to be a day when really a bonus point try was going to be on the cards because of the weather. Um, but they, they showed how they can adapt to conditions pretty easily. I mean, ideally, we all want to see running rugby with the ball being thrown out wide. And like Rob says, seeing Anthony Armstrong sort of bursting down a wing is always great to see. Um, there were some some very promising signs. I must admit, I thought um, some of the newcomers, Charlie Simmons was very slick at, at scrum half and uh, Ethan Smith, a couple of his just very sly sort of handling passes, just very, very neat and very quick. Um, he's also got a good turn of pace as well, but um, there's some very promising signs in the back line there, but it was largely about the forwards and the, the heavy grunt work up front. Um, for the rugby purists, it was quite enjoyable in that <laughs> regard. I know some people would rather see the um, the open game, but um, no, it, was, it was just great to be back. And and Raiders are going so well now. I mean, four wins on the trot. Um, they got a big game away at Barnes this weekend, which is um, I've just been speaking to Jordan this morning, and like he says, it's a bit of a it's almost how they describe a derby game because Barnes are a side we've played a lot in the past, and they're always really hard fought, close games. So. Um, 
fingers crossed we get five in a row. But um, yeah, it's, it's been a great start for Raiders. Yeah, there was some chat in the stands about um, you know what Leicester Lions had to leave behind in terms of personnel because of the situation with, with travel restrictions and, and whatnot. But yeah, four wins in a row, given you know three years ago, whatever it was, um, when we were first in this division and, and, and getting beaten you know, fairly handsomely, um, certainly at the start, with injury troubles, as we said. But you know, do you think the chairman is going to be, yeah, Andrew is going to be sort of tapping Jordan on the shoulder and say, hey, you know, there's a danger here that we could, uh, could be in contention for promotion again, or is that getting ahead of ourselves? Um, let's not get too far ahead of ourselves, because, <laughs> um, I mean... Judging by sort of the league table at the moment, the really big tests are probably still to come. Um, Clifton are looking pretty, pretty good, and Red Roof, I think um, they've they've won every game they've played so far. They're they're not top because um, they've got a game in hand on a lot of others because of the um, the tragic circumstances with Hen- Henley early in the season. Um, but I think having when I was speaking to Jordan after the game on Saturday. Um, he's usually very decisive in what he says. He actually stopped halfway through one sentence when he started saying to me, um, when you look at the strength and depth of our squad, it's probably the strongest. And he stopped and he, he looked up in the air and he went, well, probably ever, actually. You know, that's, that shows how, how much we've come on and what was still to come from this side. Because, I mean, throughout most of September, they were, they were basically putting out the 20 players who were available to them at the time. Now we've got a couple of people coming back. Obviously, Lewis Hillier, captain, sort of came back and played best part of an hour on Saturday and looked really good. Um, there's more people coming back. The squad is getting better. So, you know, I mean, you can't really put a position on what they'll be aiming for. But um, out of a 16-team league, how we're looking at the moment, you'd have to say probably top six is, uh, is looking achievable. You mentioned Lewis Hillier there. Here's what he told me at full time. It's been a long time away since we've played in front of uh, such a big crowd. Um, you can definitely hear them when we're out on the field. They met and they, they really pushed us for the that second half. First half was a bit scrappy. Um, but you show what it means to the lads to really dig deep in that second half and grind out the win. There's definitely a lot of belief. Um, I think when we, when we played um, Raiders away, um, with the amount of mistakes we made, we still almost snatched the win. I think coming from that, it's a lot of belief that we can actually do really well in this league, you know, and I think that's, that's really shown those last few games. Look for it push forward for the rest of the season. Yeah, for you personally as well, uh, probably got a few more minutes you might have expected after yeah. a few weeks out. How did it go for you? Uh, blowing a little bit. Nah, but it's, it's been great, yeah. I was hoping for maybe a half, but um, it was really enjoyable to get back out there. I really missed it, play, play amongst the boys. Um, yeah, and playing in front of the crowd has been, it's been great. Lewis Hillier speaking to me at full time there. Good to see him back on the pitch. Um, yeah, as you say, Raiders back away this weekend, but some really big games to come. And certainly those two weeks where Red Ruth come to town, I think at the end of October, and then the week later it's the Siam Cup. It's pretty tasty. It is. Typically, Red Ruth, the one big game I was probably looking forward to most is the one weekend I'm away. This whole, <laughs> whole rest of the year, I think I'm away for that one. But yeah, that will be a really big test. Um, you know, hopefully we'll have kept our momentum going for that one. Um, but, you know, like you say, Tony, we got the Siam Cup straight after that one. So perhaps I think Red Ruth is as big a game in its own way as the Siam Cup. But to come off that size of a game into the Siam could only probably be good for our players, considering we were due to have it in August when they wouldn't have played a game yet. So um, they should be thoroughly prepared to face Jersey. Talking of the Siam, um, I'm just wondering, having heard the overnight news about the World Rugby um Suggestion that they ban teams play in green and red, opposing one another in TV clashes. Whether um, they might have to ask Jersey to perhaps 
change colours for this year's Siam. Yeah, interesting one. I never thought about that. So it's for the uh, yeah for the colour blindness. For the colour blindness, yeah. Bit of a struggle. Well, it, well, it's, it's hoops against um, red, so it's not too bad. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> no, make them change. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's leave it there for rugby. Plenty more coverage to come, of course, on them. In a moment, we're going to talk marathons and uh, bring in Jamie Ingrall, who had a good week himself, but he's been very uh, very shy about telling the world about it. Yeah, our reluctant winner. Yeah, it's the first time ever I think I've we've. Had had a, a like an athletics correspondent refused to do a story <laughs> the reason was because <laughs> he was the one who won the race <laughs> so it was we had a bit of fun with him on monday morning but uh, yeah jamie won their their church to church race last weekend so well done to him <laughs> yeah good stuff um, okay well let's uh, leave it there uh, when we come back we'll be talking marathons with jamie and will bodkin Welcome back. Thanks for listening. If you're enjoying the show, why not tell a friend, show a family member how to get involved or give us a share on social media. It all helps to spread the word. Uh, Now, it seems to be marathon month at the moment. In a couple of weeks' time, the second rebranded Guernsey Marathon takes place. Uh, More on that in a moment. We've just had Jersey and, of course, the biggest of the lot, London, on the same day. uh, The first mass participation London Marathon since before the pandemic. Among a good number of local runners taking part was Caroline Barbie, who sent us this from the capital. Okay, we're one mile in. The support's amazing. I'm running with my friend Nat. Say hi, Nat. Hi, everyone. It was a bit of a rush to the start. So we'll uh, catch up at the end of the race. The atmosphere's amazing. So I've just crossed the finish line. Three hours, 37 minutes, or about that. Definitely the hardest thing I've ever done. (laughs) Wow. What an amazing experience. Uh, I'll uh, do another note once I've caught my breath. (laughs) Hello again. Ah, well, I've had a good sleep. I'm feeling kind of recovered. My legs are very sore. But, uh, yeah, just had a recovery breakfast. Feeling good. Um, so what I didn't have a chance to talk about yesterday was the charity that, um, that I'm raising money for. It's called This Is Epic. Uh, so it's a Guernsey charity. I'm sure some of you have heard about it. Um, and so they run a village savings and loan project um, in Uganda and the DRC. So sorry, the Democratic Republic of Congo, um, helping rural poor to rise out of poverty. And um, if you feel inclined to... Uh, donate some money towards uh, the charity then my fundraising page is um, it's on just just giving and so if you just pop my name into just giving then you should find the page Um, thank you very much Congratulations to Caroline and Nat and all of the other Guernsey finishers in London. Our athletics correspondent, Jamie Ingle, uh, joins us now. <laughs> Hello. Uh, Jamie, just run through some of the standout performances then from your perspective for the local efforts out there. Well, I think actually two of the standout performances were two female runners. Um, I think Vicky Carre in particular had a fantastic run. Um, she's 45. She's working hard as a doctor, but she smashed her personal best by... 15 minutes, 16 even, and got even closer to that sort of real benchmark three-hour mark. Um, She did three hours, four minutes, which is a a dramatic improvement at that level. And I think it really shows uh, work ethic. Yeah, fantastic. Anyone else to pick out from the Guernsey runners? Another female veteran, uh, Mel Bishart, also had a cracking run. I mean, she's coming up to 60 and she did three hours, 18 minutes. And... 
a lot of male runners in their prime, they'll be very happy to get in the like mid, low three hour range. And then, uh, yeah, beyond those two, I think the male performance in terms of speed, it was Nick Mann. Um, he he didn't have the best of build ups. He's had a few injuries, but still goes out and knocks out a very solid two hour fifty two marathon. I think he did a ten k race the day beforehand, which I mean, it's not a deal preparation. <laughs> Takes a lot out of you. And from a Channel Island perspective more widely, there was an outstanding performance from a young Jersey girl in London. Oh yeah, no doubt about it. So we had uh, Caitlin Ridgway, who, to be honest, she does not have that much of a background. She's shown amazing potential, basically. So she's, uh, foremost, she's a triathlete. She's actually coached by Entire, which Guernsey's top triathlete, uh, Josh Lewis, is partly involved in. Although I understand he's not actually her main coach. But yeah, she did two hours 42, which is actually a British under 20 record. It yet to be officially verified. But yeah, um, she's only 19 years old and it's her first marathon. She went off at steady pace, just maintained it. Um, in her build-up, she did an 80-minute half marathon so she effectively did that twice which I mean, is a tremendous feat of endurance <laughs> but yeah the big thing from a sort of inter-island rivalry sort of thing is now that the Channel Lions marathon record is back on Jersey soil um Louise Perio held it for a few years um she had run just under 250 but yeah she's had it taken from her hands right will there be anyone in Guernsey you know now thinking right the, the gauntlet's been thrown down you know that's that's ours to win back oh i'm gonna be honest that's a very good time like you're looking commonwealth games level for the marathon and at the moment we don't have anyone who's focusing on the marathon who would be able to get that time right so it could be with jersey for for some time yet and uh yeah congratulations to caitlin because that was a phenomenal performance um well i mentioned jamie the guernsey marathon before that's something you're training for yeah yes i am well, one man you might be following on the day, Jamie, I think it's fair to say, is local star Will Bodkin. Is that a fair assessment? In terms of running, I'll be following from quite a distance. <laughs> in terms of like following results, of course, I really want to see how he gets on. Yeah, he's been tearing it up this summer, hasn't he? Impressing on the track with some stunning performances over 5 and 10k. Uh, but on the 24th of October, last year's Guernsey half winner uh, will step up to the marquee marathon distance for the first time. Uh, Jamie and I have been chatting to him about that and his stunning season as a whole. I began by asking just how he's feeling about his debut appearance over 26 and a bit miles yeah i think probably the same as everyone i guess doing your first marathon so nervous um you know it's quite a long way isn't it and you know sort of quite a few things to sort of consider like taking your fuel in etc which you wouldn't normally do in a, an ordinary race um but exciting as well um you know it's a big challenge um like it is i think for a lot of people doing it um and then yeah in terms of training so probably not the best build-up so i had sort of three weeks three weeks off essentially leading up to the half marathon um but sort of been training for the last week and a half two weeks and um that seems to be coming quite nicely so um hopefully uh, in a couple of weeks uh be uh, feeling good to, to run the marathon yeah fantastic and you've been on the scene for a little while of course uh, in terms of local running and um, what's motivated you to step up to marathon distance this year i just quite like having a good range to be honest doing lots of uh, different events um so i think it's quite important to have like a, a sort of diverse range from say 1500 meters up to up to sort of longer distances so like the half marathon um and then i think the marathon is something that's increasingly more popular um and you sort of see lots of feel-good stories about it and i kind of wanted a slice of 
of that fun, essentially. Yeah, brilliant. And when you see, you know, over the last few weeks, we've had obviously London at the weekend, uh, the, the Jersey Marathon as well. When you see the buzz around those sort of events, and um, does it really kind of fire your imagination and get you excited for, for when you do hit the start line? Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, I think that's, you know, the dream, isn't it? Those sort of big marathons like London and um, sort of other majors, um, you know, big, big sort of city, like huge number of spectators. Um, my dad always used to do them when I was a kid. I think I was sort of traveling around the world at like New York, um, those kind of places. And yeah, I think fantastic sort of experience to do those sort of big, those big marathons. Yeah, very envious of people that have done them this year. You've had a pretty stellar kind of few months and a couple of years, I think, really. You've been um, producing some amazing stuff on the track, on the road. Uh, what's the biggest challenge for you in terms of looking ahead to the marathon uh, you know, about, the, about that distance and, and what you need to either do differently or, or just keep doing? Uh, I think... I mentioned it before, but I think like fueling is massively important. Um, just just with a shorter race, races up to a sort of half marathon, you you don't need to worry about it. You you just run, um, and I think there's so many more dynamics to a marathon than than simply just running. Um, so I think that's that's sort of uh, you know quite important, big challenge. Um, like the pacing is massively important. Again, you can probably in your shorter races get away with maybe going out a bit too quick, um, but in, in something like the marathon, you'll get to 20 miles and you know, that'll, that'll bite you. Um, so, yeah, I think those are sort of added challenges, essentially, yeah. The Guernsey course as well has that sort of a curveball of starting right at the bottom of the Val de Terre. Um, is that something you relish or is that, is that a bit off-putting? Um, yeah, I mean, I'm sort of, I guess, slightly, because I'm taller, slightly heavier for a runner, so hills are never uh, never the easiest. <laughs> um, but, I mean, at least it's the first mile, so you, you kind of get out of the way. I was sort of think that that run up to the airport is the, the hard bit at the start. Um, you get out of the way and hopefully it'll be a nice southwesterly wind uh, on the coast so a nice sort of push along and then and then it's always that last sort of three miles when you sort of then get back through into town where you're sort of running into a bit of a headwind um so yeah I think it should be should be good but with all the marathons we've got on the cards at the moment I I mean, I'm quite happy that you've chosen the Guernsey Marathon because it is supporting a nice local event. I know you sort of, I know from my experience of races you've done, you seem to quite like that. Yeah, I mean, why specifically have you stuck with Guernsey when you've got other potentially faster marathons on the cards? Yeah, I think it's always good to support local races, to be honest. Um, yeah, it's, it's kind of nice, isn't it? I guess when you turn up to races and there's people you know and you run it and then afterwards you can talk and you've kind of got like a shared experience um, which you don't get when you say run in the UK you, you might go and do like a fast race but you know you can't sort of speak to people afterwards about it because you know you, you generally don't know who they are um, so I think it's always nice to, to run in Guernsey and yeah that's like I, I enjoy that kind of aspect of it quite a lot um, I think at some point I would look to go away and probably try and do like a big big city marathon just for that experience of you know the big crowds and you know big numbers and you know, a large number of people in, in the race um, but yeah I, I'd certainly enjoy the the kind of social aspect of Guernsey running. Has it been kind of a similar motive with you taking on, you took on the half, which I believe was your first half last year, and also the all-terrain challenge this year. So you've done a few events which might not always be on the cards for like faster runners who might have more specific focus. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I guess, yeah, the all-terrain is another one, isn't it? That's sort of quite a social event, like large number of people, um, you know, sort of you run and afterwards you sort of talk about how, grueling it's been um and then obviously at the end of the week there's uh yeah there's a sort of bit of a party in home um yeah and i just think they're 
you sort of you can have like really really serious races can't you um where you sort of want to target times and then you've maybe got um other ones like for me for like the all-terrain challenge where you know i can have a bit of fun with it um i always think it's sort of good to to make sure you know you you enjoy it that's the, that's the main thing yeah real varied competitive uh set of challenges over the last uh or in recent times for you has there been one performance that you've been most satisfied with most surprised or, or you know when you look back think yeah I, I was really pleased with how that went yeah i think uh probably this year the five and the 10k on the track probably my like sort of the happiest ones um because I, I didn't have a particularly good winter sort of training um i've got a sort of relatively young child so i was constantly being sick <laughs> um, so I didn't really get good training blocks in, um, didn't have particularly good races that are sort of on the roads in the start of the season. Um, and then the sort of 5k was my first sort of big race of the year. And, and that went really well, um, ran a massive PB, um, and that sort of kickstarted my season. And, and then obviously the 10k was sort of at the end of the season and yeah, I sort of set myself a tough target and then, yeah, to sort of achieve that, it's like, yeah, quite, quite important to me. Yeah. I mean, putting those two results head to head, I know in the 10,000, you beat quite a long-standing all-commas record. And in the 5,000, you showed hopes of getting really close to Lee Merrion's all-commas record in the near future. But yeah, would you put one above the other out of those two? I think the 10K technically ranks higher than the 5K. Um, and I pushed myself really hard in the 10K. I was, I was, <laughs> oh, yeah. I was very much on a limit. Um, so I think that was probably, for me, it was a, a better run. Like it was, it was a harder effort. Um, I think there's probably more to come and hopefully more to come in the 5k uh, maybe next year I'd like to yeah target Lee's um, Lee's record and have those kind of performances got you thinking about Ireland games or even further you know Commonwealth games or, or beyond you know yeah definitely um, so Commonwealth is obviously quite um, it's quite competitive because you've got um, so like Kenya for example within the Commonwealth so the standards to get to get into Commonwealth to start with is quite quite tough and then obviously to be competitive is you know something again um so yeah it would would be good to at some point try and get to that kind of level um and yeah i'd love to sort of get close to, to lee's records another thing but obviously they're neither of them are sort of any mean sort of feet that they're, they're, they're obviously pretty pretty tough um and it's the island games is going the same way so um the top guy who's sort of the 5k 10k guy at the moment ollie lockley and um Arla man he's he's going to the commonwealths um, so that's the kind of the new standard, um, you know, maybe sort of five, 10 years ago, you could have, could have run maybe the times I was running at the moment and pick up a gold, but that's, that's not the case anymore. You've got to, got to be probably another two minutes quicker. Um, so it's, yeah, it always leaves you something, something to sort of shoot for. Yeah. So good. Speaking about the top level of athletics, obviously you've got your Kenyan running charm on. You often <laughs> rock up to races in the USA best or the Kenya best. I know your training, you've sort of taken inspiration from what elite runners do and you seem to be quite researched on it. I mean, is it right to assume you're a really, really avid follower of elite running? Yeah, I think so. Um, I mean, there's always, there's always people, always, always people who are sort of probably maybe more avid followers, but yeah, I definitely... Um, and I think, yeah, if you want to get the best out of yourself, you've got to sort of look at what the best do. Um, so yeah, I think you sort of, you've mentioned it, but like the Inga Britsons in Norway are kind of a key influence. Um, and yeah, I was sort of trying to do a good bit of reading around, um, yeah, sort of, I guess, what other, what other runners are doing um, and all aspects really like diet. And I think if you sort of add all of those factors together, it all, it all helps. I think the Inga Britson influence is quite clear in the fact that you're doing your kind of double a day sessions 
with often like you'll have a more controlled session in the morning. But yeah, is there anyone else who's maybe it's not quite as immediately apparent your training is based on who also kind of inspires you? A lot of, probably a lot of runners inspire me, to be honest. Um, I guess, you know, Elliot Kipchoge is quite relatable for a lot of people, isn't he? Um, yeah, he's sort of quite marketable and people have, people have sort of seen that treadmill where you've got to run for two minutes at the pace that he runs. Um, I think anyone who can run that fast for a marathon is a is an inspiration to, to anyone to be honest um so yeah kind of like international level you, you're sort of looking at those those types of people um and then locally i guess you look at the likes of you know someone like lee merion who's sort of been born in Ghent. he's gone on to do great things um and yeah we've obviously got a, a whole host of like sort of Ghent runners at the moment that are, are doing really well so yeah even from a local level there's there's good inspiration actually like looking at your broader career obviously you were in very good form say about five six years ago you're yeah you were one of our top runners then you've sort of made a bit of a disappearance you had a few quality years and you've come back obviously running better than ever what has it that's got you so committed to the sport this time around and just really intent to make that comeback yeah I mean I've always I've always loved running um trying to think when I first started I was probably about like nine or something when I joined the Colts and I've always it's always been my sort of number one sport and then yeah I, I sort of gave up uh, probably a couple of reasons um I wanted I wanted at the time I was sort of having heart investigations and wasn't sure if it was good for me but actually turns out that that's okay um but also just in terms of like my my sort of life at the time like fitting and running around just didn't sort of work for me at the time um and then obviously you know, sort of roll on five years or four, four years, how, how long it was that I didn't run for. Um, then sort of coming back into the sport, yeah, I kind of feel like I want to make up for the, the time I've lost, essentially, um, and run all of the, the times that I always wanted to do. So, Yeah, it sounds like you've shaken off those health concerns then. I mean, it, how was it kind of finding your way back into the things then when you, you know, you probably have that at the back of your mind when you're sort of pushing yourself? Yeah, pretty tough. Um, yeah, so I guess uh, like when it was first being sort of like you know, checked out or whatever I just wanted to be careful I wasn't going to do something you know that's going to be bad for me because obviously you see you know like sort of stories of footballers dropping down and things so I think it's always important to take it seriously um, but I guess in, in my case it was okay um, to keep exercising but um, yeah from having a long time off to then running again um, you, you kind of lose all of your fitness um, so running sort of two or three miles was the most I could do um but your body still wants to run like quickly it, it it doesn't forget like the pace that you were running um but you just obviously can't do it um so i think that kind of scenario is more just being patient um and sort of thinking well the fitness will come yeah so yeah. that's probably my encouragement for anyone who's sort of taking it up is yeah do sort of like if you're doing sort of two miles or something and it feels awful then just keep at it and eventually it'll, it'll <laughs> it get easier, easier. But, yeah. and yeah as Jamie says you know you're, you're running better than ever um what's the target for for Guernsey uh yeah I'd love to I'd love to get like a, well I think 510k probably my my sort of target distances I'd love to get gold um like double gold and those but you know like I mentioned before there's a guy called Ollie Lockley who's you know very very good runner um and there are always other runners around as well that are very good so um, I think it's just in terms of you know, I've got to push myself as much as I can to to kind of get to their level, um, and then yeah, that's that's the kind of the key goal then. And you've got 26 miles to get through and a bit in a few days' time. Um, yeah, what's the target for that? You're gonna have Jamie snapping your heels? <laughs> Not quite. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's, uh, I think it's always hard when it's your first marathon. 
Um, I think shorter distances, you can generally predict what you're going to run. Um, but marathon is such a, a different event because of you know the different factors that can influence it. Um, so I think I'm probably going to try and run between 5.45 per mile and six six minutes per mile um, and sort of see how that goes. Um, and I'll probably, during the race, sort of see how it feels and you know, if it feels quite tough at the start, sort of rein it back a bit. Um, cause I think it's, that's the kind of race a marathon where you want to try and finish a bit stronger rather than, you know, go out too quick. And then, you know, the last six miles you're, you're sort of walking in and, you know, you're sort of, everything's sort of gone to jelly. <laughs> yeah. You want to finish strong. And, and Jamie mentioned, uh, you know, usually quite, uh, eye catching on the, you know, on the, or in whatever event you're racing, be it in the Kenyan or the USA vest, what, what are you going to reach for for the marathon? Uh, it's <laughs> got to be the Kenyan Kenyan vest. I think, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've got to take inspiration from Elo Kipchoge and yeah, the, the rest of their group. Um, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I do enjoy a bit of fun yeah, popping on the Kenyan vest. So, yeah. Well, thanks very much for coming in, Will. We wish you all the best for your debut marathon. I look forward to seeing how you get on. Yeah, cheers. Will Bodkin there speaking to Jamie and I. More to come on the pod ahead of the Guernsey Marathon later this month. Uh, now, Will's certainly been lighting up the track at Footslay in this summer, but it's been a while since Guernsey FC have had the chance to do so on the pitch. But that all changes on Saturday after last week's long-awaited return was scuppered by the rain in England. The Green Lions will finally make their league return against Sutton Common Rovers on home soil. A little earlier on, I spoke to assistant coach Steve Sharman. Yeah, after last week's false start... Um, yeah, sort of the typical thing is that I suppose rushing around for a week or 10 days to get ready and then it doesn't happen. Um, what's the mood going into the first game at Footslane on Saturday? Well, based on, uh, based on training, Tony, on Tuesday night when we had 29 players there, we had a, a sort of embarrassment of riches, really. I think, I think players are really very excited. Um, they were excited about travelling away last week and, and the disappointment was, was yeah, definitely profound um, in the players when, we, when the game was called off. And they were excited because they were going to be playing at a, a League Two ground as well. But, um, yeah, I think the mood is, 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 is very buoyant. We've had that, that, that situation where Tony and it's his, it's his job to, to pick a squad and there'll be some people disappointed and not in there. But... Um, I think the players are very much looking forward to, to getting out and, and, and challenging themselves again. Does it make a difference now that that kind of first appearance sort of back in the public eye will be at Footslane in front of the home fans? Would you, have, would, would you and the players have actually you know, liked a game away, perhaps to iron out some of the uh, rustiness? Well, you know, you can look back over the, the history of, of GFC and um, we, we've had periods of time where our away form has been always much better than our home form. And I still think... For our players, there is a, um, a nervousness sometimes about playing in front of, of home supporters. Um, we, we have new, uh, you know, a large proportion of new, uh, new players coming into this group as well. So when you've had the period of time that we've had this sort of hiatus that we've had and two years where we really haven't had GFC football, we're almost starting again. And, and you're starting again in so many ways. It's new for us as coaches. We've got to raise our game. We haven't been coaching at that level. Uh, and challenging ourselves it's new for the players it's new for the fans what are the expectations um, and we've, we've really got to got to got to manage those um, and keep things as, as simple as simple as possible but I think we're all just very excited that we can have um, a football match um, at home at Footslane um, at the level of the Isthmian League on, on Saturday yeah fantastic and I, I yeah 
all being well and the match goes ahead, nothing gets in the way this week. Um, there will obviously be a lot of excitement, not just on the pitch and amongst the squad, but in the stand as well. You, you know, touching on just what it's like to play at Foots Lane, do you almost, given that, that we've had this massive break and there is, a, to an extent, a rebuilding process to do, do, do you need the supporters to be patient? I think we, I think we do. I, I think we need the supporters to be uh, to 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 recognise firstly the fun and enjoyment of coming back to watch live football, probably similar to the supporters that, that when they watch the Raiders at home for the first time. Um, to to understand that, to be mindful that that there has been this significant period of time where we haven't played, but also look to to to, to challenge that you know we, we should be we should be challenged on our performances and how hard have we worked with our players in this interim period to get them ready for the point for this point on Saturday um, and and if we've done our done our work um, and we get a bit of luck um, you know I think there's every opportunity that we can be successful on Saturday gosh it's going to be a really tough season for us in many many ways um, just because of the fact we haven't played at this level, but um, we are we are really looking forward to it. And yeah, the fans, you know, the fans can be our be our twelfth man. But I, I really haven't got a problem with it challenging us as well because that's perfectly within their right. They pay their money and they, you know, they say what they think. <laughs> and as the extra week, how much of a difference could that make in terms of preparation? Because getting ready for that first game as it should have been last Saturday you know there wasn't a lot of time to pull things together on or off the pitch but as an extra week will it make much of a difference well I, I hopefully from the, the you know the amazing amount of work behind the scenes that Tony's done if you look at um how we prepare the the the, the video analysis the the preparation that he does um, the game plans, the the, the, the the sort of play sheets that he does, the playbook. Uh, it gives an extra opportunity for the players to um, to look at those and really understand it. Um, but there's a big responsibility. So we'll train tonight uh, and then we'll do video analysis. We'll see where we are. The challenge has been thrown down to the players. They know who is going to be in the squad for Saturday. Um, so that extra week for some players, it gives it a little bit more fitness uh, but we need games at um, at the Isthmian level. We, we look let, when we have when you have a conversation with Tony or myself or Fowl or any of the players. Ten games in, then we'll see where we are. Um, but we need to play at that level on a regular basis. Yeah. Does it feel like you're knitting together a new side here, knitting knitting together a new squad, or having returned to training over the last couple of weeks, kind of in anger, I guess, um, have things sort of just clicked into place? Well, what we have is um, we certainly have had, had a transition. Um, we've got a transition where we've got new players coming in because they've reached an age where they can train with us and, and very exciting young players. We've got players who've been in that age group of, of being the, the younger players in a squad who've now aged a couple of years and become more mature, um, physically, mentally stronger. Um, and then we've got those that have been around for a long time, but they are diminishing in, in the number of those players. And if you look at the squad on Saturday, um, so we are. Transitions happen either purposely because you get rid of a group and bring some more in, or it happens naturally. I think we've had a, a little bit where it, it's been a bit of a false transition for these last two years. And um, yeah, it is absolutely a, a, a new group. So the, it'd be interesting to see what the atmosphere is in the changing room because there'll be different voices in there. And there'll be voices who 
previously won't have been heard and hopefully that's the same on the pitch as well. Obviously a lot of unknowns going into Saturday, going into this season. Have you spoken about a target? Uh, uh, is there a goal in mind that you set the players, even if you you know you won't say it kind of publicly? Yeah, well, I think the goal starting off with is it the goal when you go into into a into a league is that you want to go and win it. Um, of course, why or why 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 do you enter? Um, there has to be a, an amazing amount of realism. So then you say, well, actually, the realism is that we want to stay in this league, and then we want to um, make sure that we are are the, the the best interpretation of ourselves every single week, and we challenge our players and challenge ourselves, and and get somewhere. I'm not going to be so bland and say, oh, mid mid table mediocrity is fine. We're going to be pushing for the playoffs or whatever. Look, it will be what it is, but we just need to be the best we possibly can, be realistic, and and give the best. Uh, showing of ourselves for you know in in a sort of a Guernsey context so um, we need to stay in the league you know whatever happens from that great you know but um, that, that's got to be the starting point and for you Steve you've been in that dugout um, for, for a you know, number of years now uh, watching on what, what, what's the one bit of match day um, the match day experience for you that, that you know the, the people in sand might not see that, that you're sort of most looking forward to or most missed about I, I, I suppose it's, it's, it's the changing room actually when you're when you've been a player and you and you and you're not a player and you become a coach uh, that changing room environment is in, incredibly special. Um, I actually had a friend of mine who was a, a professional footballer who did a PhD on, you know, the actual changing room environment. So that that atmosphere, that period of time where you're in that environment, um, I've probably I've probably missed that. Um, for me, always is is you know the work that we do. If we haven't done it by the time we get to game day, then you, you know you're not going to affect the game massively prior to because you know it's all going to be played out so um have we done our work in the week that then is reflected on the pitch but the changing room is a special environment and um the gfc changing room is incredibly special so I, i've missed that fantastic well uh, best of luck on saturday we'll look forward to it it's gonna be an exciting day fantastic fantastic thank you very much tony Steve Sharman there looking ahead to saturday's big guns fc uh, homecoming against sutton common rovers Rob, I suppose for the crowd, there'll be a lot of excitement, as I said to Steve, um, you know, in the stand to be back there, but they're going to have to be patient this season. Yeah, I think there'll be plenty of noise and emotion on Saturday at Foots Lane um, <clears throat> amongst the fans as well as the players. I'm sure they'll be herring into everything. Um, it's very much a step into the unknown, of course. You know, we haven't played for so long. How damaging has that been to the actual the GFC team as a team? Um, you know, they are quite plainly not going to be up to full speed. They'll be so far behind all their their rivals in this division. And, of course, we just don't know how the strength of this league compared to the one we were in before. Um, we get some sort of insights when we think, like, so Chertsey Town, who are, are one of the better sides at the moment, although they've got quite a few games um, in hand <clears throat> on the top team, Oxbridge. They beat Jersey Bulls last week and by the sounds of it quite convincingly so, even though the scoreline was just 1-0, they seem to be a very organised side. Um, I do have concerns about the um, in the strength of the Guernsey FC squad, to be honest, and I think that's shared by the coaches. You know, we are... We haven't quite got the experience that we we had, you know. We're losing. Sorry, we're without Jamie Dodd, the captain. That's going to be a big blow, and um, <clears throat> we've got a goalkeeping situation to solve with um, how we um, replace Callum Stanton, who was a huge part of the Guernsey FC performance in the past. Um, you know, 
we could well win on Saturday. We've still got you know some great attacking talent there. I'd love to see. Wouldn't it be great to see Carl Smith clicking with Charlton Govine and um, Ross Law, uh, Ross Allen. But I think we might have to score a few goals on Saturday to get the points because I think um, I'm a bit concerned at the back. Well, it could be quite exciting then. Um, I mean, it is interesting, isn't it? We obviously spoke about Guernsey Raiders at the top. It's quite stark contrast. They've been sort of itching to go, knowing that they're probably, as you said, you know, as strong as ever, if not stronger than ever, heading into this new league, a league they've been in before and, and have, you know, some knowledge of, of what to expect. Whereas for Guernsey, it's almost the complete opposite, isn't it? It's kind of a bit trepidatious. Really. Indeed, indeed. And one other bit of side news relating to GFC, I'm hearing from speaking to several coaches, pre league coaches this morning, that Tony is now going to be in, um, hoping to choose his GFC squads on the Wednesday from now on, as opposed to a Thursday, announce it anyway on a Wednesday, thus allowing some of the players, fringe players who aren't, aren't making the matchday squad chance to train with their local clubs on the Thursday and perhaps appear on the Saturday, which is great. And I know they are, I know the coaches are really welcome it and saying it's great to see the whole, you know, the football team working together in terms of the, the, the top side and the local clubs. Yes. Everybody, everybody's in it together. That sounds like good development. I mean, Steve was saying they had close to 30 players at training last night. That's a, a decent stock of the, uh, obviously, of the island's best players. So. Yeah, quite clearly, we need GFC to work. It's great for the local game and um, it's good to see that now everybody's on board with it and um, wanting the, the, you know, the the masthead club of Guernsey football, shall we say, to, to do well. So. Good luck with them. Yeah, really looking forward to the occasion on Saturday. Uh, yeah, we'll be bringing you plenty of coverage in the paper online on social media as well uh, at GSY Press Sport. Of course, the place to, to follow us wherever you get your socials. Um, what else is going on this weekend? It's quite busy. A few uh, a few other sports getting back into action and, and a couple of interinsulars. Yeah, indeed. We've got a Padel interinsula. We've got the start of the motocross season and we've got some mountain biking, autocross. And we've got this dog breaker race on the cliffs on Sunday morning. There's, there's no confirmation as yet whether our, our match winning or say our race winning Jay Mingrel will be on the start line for that one. Um, he's keeping a tight, keeping very tight lipped on that at the moment. But um, I suspect not. He's saving himself for the, um, the Guernsey Marathon. Well, I think it's fair to say us three won't be on the start line for the dog That's breaker. That's for sure. Not at 9am <laughs> on a Sunday morning. Uh, Gareth, where are you going to be this weekend? Well, I'm going to be trying to park somewhere at Foots Lane. <laughs> I don't know if that's going to be very easy, but um, I'm back doing um, hockey duty this weekend. It's... Um, the women's uh, league sort of gets underway in earnest because there have been a few games so far, but those have been involved in the sort of the junior sides. This is the first um, the first weekend of senior club sides going up against each other. I think Cubs are playing Puffins, and also there's a big game in the men's division one already. It's a rearranged one between Yobos and Colombians. The Colombians have played twice, lost twice to the Champions Indies, whereas Yobos have yet to lose, and they're looking pretty decent. So I think that could be quite a Quite an entertaining and perhaps feisty game, that one. No, oh, good stuff. It's going to be busy down there for sure. Uh, tomorrow night I'll be hosting the Guernsey Cricket Awards at uh, uh, St. Pierre Park. So if you're heading along to that, yeah. Uh, have you been asked to host because there's no chance of you winning anything? <laughs> it does make things easy, doesn't it? Yeah. My, uh, my 52 runs at an average of seven and a half. Uh, probably not putting me in contention for MVP this year. <laughs> Most definitely not, Tony. Yeah. Um... So uh, anyway, uh, there's always next year, isn't there? Um, um... Um, sorry to break the news, but um, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
killing killing my dreams, Rob. Killing my dreams. Sorry, sorry, Tom. Um, One has yeah. to be a realist from time to time. <laughs> well, uh, yeah. So, stick to the day job. You're doing it very, very well. I don't know. What. <laughs> <laughs> trying, to, trying to think of a comeback, really. Um, yeah, so keep an eye out for, for the winners of that, I suppose, on social media tomorrow night. Um, yeah, another season of sort of purely domestic action, really, but but plenty to enjoy. So it uh, should be a good night. And uh, yeah, we'll see you down at Foots Lane on Saturday for another big weekend there. Cheers, Tony. Cheers, guys. Thanks. Thanks.